Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to this next episode of Outcast Catholic. I am your host, Father Shane Demon, And I am Father Travis Crotty. And we are so excited to be here with you. Father Travis, we're going to dive in. It's going to be a little edgy today. Hey, Put your seatbelts on. Good. I'm all about the edgy. Fasten your chin straps, folks. Yeah, that's right. It's going to get a little edgy. Good. But before we dive into that, mm-hmm. I did want to do a quick shout out to all of our friends over in Fort Dodge, Iowa. Dirty Dodge. And the wonderful parish of Holy Trinity Parish in Webster County. Um, I had the opportunity recently to be offering masses there, preaching on vocations and celebrating the sacraments with them. And they have their brand new consecrated church there. Yeah, absolutely. Which has been uh, years in the making. Mm -hmm. Years in the making as they've been doing some long-range pastoral planning and merging a number of parishes there, which at one time would have consisted of 12 different uh, churches throughout Webster County. And it's got a soft spot in your heart. It is your first parish. As yeah, I did serve there. I, I was I did a brief wow, little yeah, stint right. up in uh, St. Joe's in Milford, but I did uh, serve in Fort Dodge, and um, you know, was part of the early some of the early stages of the sure. planning of the of the new facility and the site development. Um, but it was it's just a beautiful church, and it's nice to see sacred architecture kind of mm-hmm. having a, um, a, re- a renaissance, if you will, which we have seen in other parts of our diocese, notably you know Lamar's Iowa, St. Uh, Joseph, Ida Grove. I mean, there's yeah, been some, right. there's been yeah. some really beautiful churches in the in the past few years, and this is this is happening everywhere. Yep, people know that beauty must speak to the soul, right? And that there's some wonderful treasures with stained glass, um, statuary, mm-hmm. and just using quality materials. Mm-hmm. And frankly, churches that look like churches, right? I mean, there's no question. You walk into, uh, I drove past it right before the consecration, right, and peeked in the windows. But it's a big cruciform church. It is cruciform means shaped like a cross. But yeah, there's no questioning that it's a church when you're inside of it. When you're outside, two big spires, right? Right. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, they did a nice job, and they're going to keep working on it. It's not fully complete. Oh. There's going to be more sacred art added over the years, and they have some more plans down the road that when sure. funds are available. I mean, it, there, there's a beauty in its in its um, in its current form, but you know, yeah. churches are always kind of living beings, so to speak, right. and, right. and they'll keep you know taking on new elements as the decades roll by. One of the things that I appreciated so profoundly was the lighting. Yeah, you know, the the modern LED lighting that is available to just highlight little artwork uh, or even just lighting in the floor that comes up and illuminates a mm. stone pillar. It adds a feature. It, it adds kind of a, an atmospheric quality yeah. that wouldn't have been available even like 25 years ago. Um, really, really stunning lighting that isn't um, detectable in a lot of like newspaper uh, photos of this yeah. new facility. But when you're there and you see it, it's a very peaceful place, and it's easy to pray in. Mm-hmm. And the the appointments and the furnishings are, are well done. So shout right. out to uh, Monsignor McCoy and all the staff and parishioners of Holy Trinity Parish. Absolutely. Yeah. Congratulations on your new church. It's always really hopeful when you see a new church being built. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Yeah. There's just like new life that's that's brought about. Even in some older churches that just need a new coat of paint or like have some old carpet or something, right. there can just be a feeling like, Ugh, it's a little... It's a little dingy or something like that, but right. there's always just like a breath of fresh air with, oh, wow, like the church is still alive, still growing. Absolutely. It's not just the church of 
grandparents. Right. If I'm talking to like my peers. But sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, Father Travis, since this is Outcast Catholic. That's the name. It is indeed. We can uh, lean into a, a topic today that I think makes people feel very distant from the church, or mm-hmm. it actually makes the church look ridiculous and antiquated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to dig into the... Felt banners. Well, we're nope. going to go... No, we're going to okay. go a little deeper than that. Great. Felt Great. banners of the 1980s were something. Just checking. <laughs> but we're going to go a little more hardcore than that. I want to go into the uh, issue of clericalism. Yeah. You know, All right. um, I want to define the term, because it can be used in multiple different ways. Mm-hmm. And I want to uh, uh, talk about how this is kind of poisoning the faith, as it has, and hopefully ha- as we're hopefully ridding ourselves of this. It yeah. is a very frequent topic of His Holiness Pope Francis. Yep. This and and like seminary formation right now. Oh, I mean, sure. Over my time, which has been mostly under the uh, papacy of Pope Francis. We, this has come up a lot. Well, then good. Yeah, un- unhealthy priesthood, exactly. Right. right. And, and it's not something that's really evident. It, it, it doesn't, on occasion, you know, if there's just real conceitedness or arrogance, it can kind of be a blaring case in front of you. Mm-hmm. But many times it, it exists very subtly. Okay, so what is clericalism? Well, in general, it, um, I think it can be defined as, as kind of a, a self-serving, almost caste system of the clergy, mm-hmm. uh, a self-referential caste system or uh, exaltation of the clergy yep. in which priests, deacons, bishops refer to themselves as kind of a good old boys network mm-hmm. and everything becomes self-preserving, right? Mm-hmm. Don't rock the boat. Don't hurt our pristine image, though it's mm-hmm. not pristine. Yeah. Uh, don't do anything that's going to affect the boys network. Yep. Uh, and when that becomes the focal point, well, we've certainly taken our, taken our focus off of the Lord and we've uh, lost our mission for evangelization. And like the identity of the priesthood. Right. <laughs> Or you just become like a really big jerk too, you know, yeah, and like yeah. who wants to hang out with that? Right. Right. So anytime, anytime the clergy, rather than caring for the flock, rather than getting down into the trenches and having the shepherds lay down their lives after the example of Christ, the good shepherd, mm-hmm. when we lose that mission and we come, become much more navel gazing and self-referential, how do we take care of ourselves? How do we just protect the good old boys network? Mm-hmm. Uh, Something clearly, clearly has gone wrong. Right. Um, the gospel is not being proclaimed, and I don't even think men in that situation would see themselves as beloved sons of the Father. Right. I think they see themselves as beloved sons of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not healthy. And boy, have we seen evidence of this in the church in recent years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In recent <laughs> months, especially. Well, right. I mean, we all know that the McCarrick Report came out a month ago, over 400 uh, pages, which sheds light on certain things. There's, it raises a number of issues of things that were not addressed right. in the report, but it does shed light on certain things that for those who want to be professional ecclesiastics, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to be a professional businessman in the church, kind of dress up, do churchy things, raise money, uh, sound intelligent, you know, flash some... <laughs> Shake hands, kiss some babies. Right. Like- and, and and make yourself look like, you know, a really efficient, uh, awesome administrator or yep. awesome schmoozer or whatever you want to be. Yeah. You know, you can do that. Mm-hmm. That's not what Jesus has called us to. Right. Uh, and that's actually going to do an enormous amount of harm in the church. And I think over time, I think people just kind of see you're a fraud. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Especially today. I mean, and people listen probably realize this, but I mean, 
I, my peers, they sniff out inauthenticity so quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and teenagers are very good at that. Mm-hmm. You know, something that's just BS, they'll be like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, but you can tell when someone is like really on fire with the Holy Spirit. You're like, dang, whatever right. they're on, I want to be on that too. Right. You know, right. what are they taking? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Jesus. <laughs> they yeah. know the Lord. They have heard the Lord speaking to them in the depths of their hearts. They can they can sense the subtleties of the Holy Spirit prompting them. They're truly interested in just knowing the will of the Father and accomplishing that. Right. And it's not about them, mm-hmm. right? And they learned early on, hey, it's not about me. I need right. to get over myself because it's all about him. And when that clericalism seeps in and it, it becomes all about me, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the shepherds want to focus much more on themselves, boy, uh, not only can scandal be given... Uh, on, on varieties of levels, but I think it actually just repels people from hearing the gospel. Yeah. You know, I wonder how many people have gone to their grave and they meet the Lord face to face in glory and they say, Lord, I, it would have been nice to actually practice my faith, but I, I never had a credible shepherd leading me. Yep. You know, what a tragedy for some of those souls that have been lost. Mm-hmm. And just to kind of ground this in experience, um, I hear often from Catholics who who grew up with a certain kind of style of priesthood that they'll, they'll often say like, Oh, like it's just so interesting that you're like actually talking to us or relating to us. Cause Oh, like father was up on this big pedestal and it was, Oh, now there's a beauty in like maybe some traditions of Catholicism that would like really hold up the, the honor and dignity of the sacrament of holy orders. Right. Mm-hmm. Which always humbles the man who's a priest because <laughs> we can never reach the, I mean, our, our model is Jesus Christ. Like, sure. It's possible to reach that. But yeah, you can just see when, when priests have been in certain communities put up on some on some pedestal and treated like superhumans, right? And treated like little gods or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then when they when they when they fall, they fall really far. Right? right. And then if they're they're if they're up there so high, sometimes that gets to their head. Right. And I think that's what people have experienced with clericalism where, yeah, Father likes a comfortable lifestyle that can be developed by his parishioners treated him like a little god. Right. Even though all of these uh, clerics who might have fallen into clericalism at times would have to have gotten up and proclaimed the gospel when Jesus says, oh, you Pharisees who like greetings in the marketplaces. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know how you get up and preach that gospel mm-hmm. and not see in your own life, hey, maybe there's some disingenuity here. You know, this is not quite lining up in the way that Jesus would have wanted, right. you know. And I don't know exactly where it comes from. I suppose we can say sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I so, you know, all of us are fallen from time to time. Uh, certainly the evil one wants to bring down the clerics of the church, and right. he will work overtime to do that, to cause as much disruption in Christ's bride, the church, as he possibly can. I think there, it also might have stemmed from, you know, in the 19th century, when Catholics were openly ridiculed and even yeah. persecuted. Right. There was the sense early in the 20th century to the mid-20th century that, okay, we've arrived. Mm-hmm. We, we've kind of staken our claim here in the United States. Uh, the Catholics are a force to be reckoned with. We, we're going to have a voice in this culture. We're not going to be pushed around and we're not going to be bullied. Right. And that, I think, technically then just, um, perhaps by default, I don't think anyone was planning on this, but that just kind of elevated the status of pastors and bishops yep. culturally. Yep in which uh, their Catholics wanted them to have a strong voice. They wanted him to be a, a cultural figure. Mm-hmm. They wanted him to be a, a man who's publicly known. And that could really just go to a man's head, you know? Right, right. 
And then by the time uh, the Second Vatican Council runs, uh, runs its course, uh, if anyone interpreted the Council of wanting to get too worldly, mm-hmm. you know, hearing the call that the gospel must be translated into a way that speaks to our modern culture, that modern men and women have to have connections with the gospel and has to be proclaimed always in a fresh way that addresses the needs of modernity. Well, if anyone interpreted that as becoming too worldly and I have to drink right. too deeply of the water of this world, right. uh, well, then clericalism could also sl- uh, slip in very sinfully as well. Right. What I've seen too, and I, and I say this with deference because, I mean, we're trying to live like a healthy life of celibacy as a celibate priest, but when you don't really understand celibacy, and you're and you're trying to find your your needs of being known and loved met somewhere else other mm-hmm. than the Lord, mm-hmm. and of course with with friends and with family and with three parishioners and their in their correct boundaries, but when you clearly have that desire and that kind of like gaping hole in your heart and you're trying to fill it with something else, mm-hmm. that's where it becomes this kind of self aggrandizement and it's all about Father and His shtick and His thing that gets people to like Him and um, right yeah and it's it's interesting when really leaning into what it means to live a healthy life of celibacy that we've talked about in seminary and that I see really like modeled in lives of good holy priests. Uh, when, when people will sometimes talk about like, oh, what a great guy. What a great guy. And it's like, well, was he a great guy because he just like hung out with the boys around the fire and drank a bunch of Bud Light? Or mm-hmm. was he a good guy because he led you closer to Jesus? Right. And I mean, there's those, it doesn't have to be so black and white, but still it's it's pretty clear like, did you just like him because he was a, a, a funny a funny guy, or mm-hmm. was he your pastor? Mm-hmm. Was he your shepherd? I was once having a beer with a man, and uh, this is a man of charity. He's not a man of gossip. He's not a man right. of slander. Um, but he was pointing out just an observation, mm-hmm. and he said there is a particular priest that was near his community mm-hmm. where he lived. And he said, uh, every time, every time people want to talk about this priest, they see him as uh, almost a celebrity in mm. that in that particular community. Yeah. And he said, when I see that man, all I see is the man. Mm. I I don't see priest as I've known some really other holy priests throughout my lifetime. Right. So in that particular community where that man was located, you know, this man just came across so strongly in his humanity and that his priesthood just seemed to highlight uh, his human qualities to such a degree that he, that this man among the laity was having a hard time just seeing where is the reflection of Christ, the high priest? Mm. How, how is it that I look at you and I just only see your humanity and, and I'm not led to a deeper reflection of the Lord? Right. When he said that to me about this distant priest in his community, I just thought, ooh, that might have been the most biting but the most accurate assessment of the priesthood I've ever heard in my life. Mm. You know what mm. I'm saying? For this this humble and charitable man to say, sometimes I've looked at a, another priest and I, or I just can't see the face of the Lord. Right, right. Um, and I don't think he was speaking sinfully, and I don't think he was trying to attack. I think he was just making an observation which you know was always stuck in my mind as a as a really clarion call right to strive to what I'm supposed to be as a priest. Well, it's interesting you say it like that because I, from the other side, that that's a beautiful sort of reflection from a a, cat, a Catholic who's you know like invested and bought in. Mm-hmm. What I've heard from sort of like the disenfranchised Catholic though 
is like, who do you think you are stepping up and put on these fancy like robes and, and like, Oh, you're the holiest one around. Oh, you're mm-hmm. the, you're the best one. Oh, you're the image of Jesus in the world. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. I'm buying that. Right. But that misses the mark on the other side too. Cause it's like, listen, I'm not, I'm not standing at mass trying to lead the the people in prayer because I'm the best and most holy person in the room mm-hmm. <laughs> by far. I mean, I'm so, I think people forget this sometimes like priests are just as fed by the holiness of their parishioners as parishioners are by the holiness of their pastors or mm-hmm. priests in, mm-hmm. in their lives. And we receive these vocations. Like people aren't mothers and fathers because they're the best mothers and fathers because the best example of, of Christ and, and the church. No, mm-hmm. because we're all sinful and humbled by our, our sinfulness and we're striving for, for the Lord. But the Lord gives us this beautiful gift of the priesthood for for, for his image to be present in the world, mm-hmm. right? And to hear his words, this is my body, this is my blood, or I absolve you from your sins. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we're not, we're not in this because we're trying to <laughs> have everybody look at us. And, right. But that's, it can get that way though so easily because we are the ones standing in sanctuaries wearing investments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you say that priests can be so fed by the witness of holiness among their laity, among their parishioners, and vice versa. Right. That balance of inspiring holiness, mm-hmm. shared visibly but shared humbly, mm-hmm. I think that has to always be at the heart of what is the relationship between shepherd and flock. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The shepherd has to lead. He's been trained to lead. Uh, he's, been, he's been given truths of the faith that have to be passed down to the next generation. Mm-hmm. He's been put in a position to say, taking all of the, the hearts and the desires and the prayers and the intentions of my people— I will humbly walk up to the altar of sacrifice right. and I will call down the Holy Spirit and I will lead us in worship. Right. Not because I'm better than everybody else, right. but because I, I've been ordered to do this sacramentally on mm-hmm. behalf of my people, for my people, right. and for you know all the faithful departed as well. Uh, that, that humble balance, which it's a very delicate balance, yeah. and, and it, can be, it can be imbalanced very, very quickly. Yeah. Uh, but the 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 common uh, sharing of holiness and the, the common sharing of witness between shepherd and flock back and forth always right. has to be made balanced. And Pope Francis points this out several times because there's there's different ways of defining clericalism, and the Holy Father describes mm-hmm. this at times, in which clericalism is not just always the priests kind of exalting themselves. Yeah, um, clericalism could also come from the perspective of the laity. And there's a couple of ways that this can happen. Um, for the laity who just want to step back and exonerate themselves from all responsibility and say, yeah. oh, Father, you just go do it. Right. Father, you take care of the gospel. You go fix the world's problems. Yep. I'm busy doing my thing. Right. Okay, that's actually, from the laity's perspective, uh, you know, a misguided uh, understanding of what the, the proper role of the shepherd is. The laity are to be the leaven of the world, right? Yeah. The clergy cannot be in every marketplace, every business, every hospital, every school, bringing about a witness of the gospel on a daily no. basis. You know, and they're not supposed to. Right. That's the thing. It's like it, it's not like. Well, I would be if if I could. Right. No. No. They're not. They're not. <laughs> if supposed I could to. try locate, I would. Right. Right. <laughs> the thing we would we would talk. So I was in my first few years of seminary when Evangelii Gaudium, uh, the Joy of the Gospel by Pope Francis, came out, and well, what came out of that that we talked about so much is. While the priest is the primary catechist, the primary liturgist, the primary kind of 
proclaimer of the gospel in the parish, mm-hmm. really the parishioners are the primary evangelists. Right. I mean, that's that's the reality. And like, if that if that rubs you the wrong way when you hear that, that you, the Catholic in the pew, is the primary evangelist of the parish, no, not the ones paid on staff of the parish, if you're at a big parish with a, a big staff, mm-hmm. not, not the ones who are, con- I mean, the ones involved in, what is it, like the 10%, the 7% that are involved in everything. Right. No, all of you are called by virtue of your baptism to evangelize and to share the gospel where you're at. Right. Yeah, so we have to be very careful about how we maintain this balance. Mm-hmm. That it's not the priest isn't to exalt himself, but he's also not responsible for fixing the entire culture and bringing mm-hmm. the light of the gospel everywhere. Um, and I think the, I think there also has to be a respect that says um, the lady cannot treat priests like a messiah. The messiah, you know. We already have one. He's reigning in heaven. Right, right. <laughs> and his clergy have to be laying down their lives for the good of the flock. Um, we're kind of running out of time here for this episode, and there's more we could get into. But I just want to conclude, Father Travis, this episode by saying, to anyone out there who's listening, who really feels like the church is an outcast because of the poor witness of her shepherds, yeah. to anyone who has been hurt by a priest, a deacon, or a bishop, to anyone who has been offended or scandalized by their behavior, mm-hmm. Um, pray for them and make sure you understand their intentions clearly. You know, sometimes we can get misunderstood if we right. say something or, or do something in public that really wasn't our intention. Mm-hmm. So pray for them and pray that the Holy Spirit enlightens the situation. But if you have been deeply hurt, deeply offended, deeply scandalized, I as a priest, and I think I can speak for you and all my brothers, I definitely want to say I am sorry. Yeah. Uh, that is not the witness that we are called to. And you have every right to call out priests and tell them, Father, I need you to be the shepherd that you're called to be. I need you to show me Jesus. Right. And you are failing us in that regard. Right. Again, that has to be done with charity. That has to be done in prayer. That has to be done with careful reflection that you're not jumping to conclusions. Yep. But if clericalism is alive in your past, I'm very sorry about that. Mm-hmm. This is a public apology on behalf of the clergy. But we would also ask you to also help us be part of the solution yeah. uh, to build up the church and to build up the, the laity's response to be the leaven of the world that supports shepherds, is also obedient to shepherds, so that the, the tenuous but very, very beautiful balance between shepherds and their flocks might always be attained and maintained yeah. according to the designs of Jesus. Yeah, well said. So thanks, everybody. We appreciate you tuning in, and we'll keep diving into some of these themes that can make us at times feel outcast, but also also hopefully build up the church. Praise God. Yeah, praise God. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.